Welcome to the Business of Property podcast. I'm Simon. I'm Stuart. And I'm Emma. We're all property people running our own businesses. This podcast is just us chatting, as we often do, about anything and everything property. So as as our second uh, recording with, with you present, Emma, uh, we thought it might be good to uh, to learn a bit more about you. So do you want to go into a, a bit more depth and tell us, uh, may, maybe start with why you got into property? Okay. So I got into property. It's a bit of a, a long story, really, so I'll be as succinct as possible. Um, background, profession, I'm a speech and language therapist, and I was working in North London, in Camden, um, and had been doing that job for about 15 years. I'd had my first child um, but was, and was living in Reigate and decided, actually, a change is needed. Um, I took redundancy because they were opening, restructuring, offering voluntary redundancy. So I took that. And my brother, Richard, who has always been an estate agent for a big corporate, had a big corporate sort of background and was very fed up with that world um, and wanted to open up independently. We were chatting one night, probably over some wine, and thought, <laughs> hang on, let's the best maybe use some of this redundancy money and set up, set up our own independent estate agents, which we did. It's Halliwell Marks, that's based in Reigate. Um, we did that together for six years. It was a fairly up and down with the market six years, and the market had slowed down um, over the last couple of years. And we had slightly different views about which way we wanted the business to go and decided that with the slowdown, it wasn't really supporting both of us. So he would continue with that business and I would step away and do something different. Um, and so I've set up a state agents hub, uh, which is a, a an online estate agency. But I like to kind of say we're mobile because I don't want us to be perceived as someone behind a screen. We still come to you. We offer every service that the mm. high street agent offers. Um, and... Being online just enables us to stream our costs as much as possible and give that back to our customer so we can charge lower fees. Um, also, as I say, my background is speech therapy, so I also have a business where I offer some independent um, speech and language therapy for adults with brain injury. So I've got both things running. Um, yeah, that's that's me. And, really. and they're, they're both your own businesses now that yes. you do those? Yes, they're both entirely mine. So you, from memory, you started that business in 2013? Yeah. So how did you find that transition then for working for, a, so was it a big company where you're doing speech and? Uh, NHS, uh, yeah. So it was for NHS. So, yeah. so how was that transition for you then from, because two, two very different sectors or not? Well, on one hand, entirely different. And on the other hand, they're all working with people. I, you know, fundamentally, they're all about customer service. Um, and what I really enjoyed is with Richard coming from a very corporate agent background I was coming from a very different customer service model mm. and actually they worked really well together um he knew the estate agency stuff and I knew how to work with people um in it and and we were trying to produce a different sort of style of agency um so so yes very different but quite a lot of skills that could be generalized across mm. yeah I mean, yeah really interesting point obviously people people business isn't it you're, yeah you're facing people mm. So you obviously brought that. And then just the other thing I'm quite interested in, your current business, the Estate Agents Hub. Yeah. How have you set about communicating to, to people, given that you are online? Are you predominantly online in terms of marketing yourself in that way? Predominantly, yes. So, we well, we do a lot of word of mouth. Um, we do a lot of social media um, and have a, a nice website trying to direct as many people towards that as possible um we're trying to do things sort of more ethically we stay away from a lot of paper leaflets going around um 
and the business um so I work with another Emma actually Emma Quaife and our business is a lot about us and how how we work with people we try and be very transparent honest open and work with our clients as opposed to sort of mm. with a sort of slight wall between us um you know we want to do a brilliant job for yeah. our clients and then that is how we are getting our referrals and 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 the work moves forward and the business grows it always amazes me because um, in any business you talk about those sort of values, you know, honesty, mm. transparency, and that's what we all want to see in our engagements. Yeah. And there are a lot of good estate agents. I'm not going to say that there aren't, but unfortunately, you know, the sector gets a lot of bad press for sometimes not being as transparent as, as, as they should be. Yeah. Yeah. And we do, we do things slightly differently again. So when we're going to value a house, in order to try and be as transparent as possible, because it is difficult when you've met somebody and they've told you what they want for their house. I mean, it's, you know, if you then say we think it's worth 100 grand less, they're not going to give you the property to sell. Mm. But there are other ways of doing it. So we do an evidence-based um, valuation before we've seen the house. So we will go with a document we produce. We'll have a selection of houses that have sold and what they've sold for when they sold. Selection of houses that are currently under offer and the price they were on the market for at the time. And a selection that are currently on the market. And we will come up with a figure. Mm. We then go and look at the house. We talk about with the um, vendor, you know, what their needs are, what they need to achieve potentially, what their position is, why they're moving. And then we will come to a marketing figure together. But we have to base that on the evidence out there. And if they're wanting a lot more money and we're saying, but there's five houses on the market that are just the same for these prices, you, we need that property to sit well within the current market. Mm. Um, and that changes month to month. But it's easier to have those honest and open conversations when you've got a bit of solid evidence behind you. Makes sense. And mm. well, Simon and I, we talked about this recently, didn't we? Around, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's a frustration. And I think, you know, that sort of thing, of course, for, mo- for most vendors, I think that makes sense. There's always going to be those outliers where yeah. they just want to hear what they want to hear. Yeah. And I think that's the challenge of any customer facing. Yeah. I've, uh, I think the discussion you mentioned or referred to, Stuart, is where I have a, a property that's um, well, we, we, we're looking at. I say we; it's a property I own jointly with my brother, and we're looking at putting it on on the market. Or we were anyway. I'm not quite sure what we're going to do now, but it's it's a very unique property, and uh, we uh, talked to two different agents about it, and their valuations were approximately 150,000 pounds apart for these uh, from these two different agents, and. I'd, I'd be interested to know how you how you would tackle a, a very unique property. So th- this property is a detached um, three bed property mm-hmm. um, on a house or on a road, so of all terrace houses. I mean, there, there is no comparable property, yep. probably within a couple of miles. And then, of course, you're looking at um, different areas anyway. So, mm-hmm. so you, yep, you, you so look at the prices. Um, do, do you ha- you? Where, where would you try and pull your, your evidence from or, or, or what other approaches would you take in that, that kind of um, situation? I mean, I think the, the two agents we went to just sort of picked random numbers kind of thing. So. <laughs> yeah, and, and then this is the thing. Valuing a house isn't – there is no sort of science behind it. You can, you can gather as much evidence as exists and give yourself as clear an idea of what has actually sold or gone under offer recently in that area. But – I mean, ultimately, the market price 
that you may market for is still it you, mm. you know it's there isn't a science there isn't an equation that you can do to get the perfect value i mean with the property like that i would still look at what's sold in that area on those roads you look at what is the school capturement area what are people is it a desirable area and you know you work out a figure and yes two agents can as you've seen come poles apart but most vendors and you certainly know what probably every house on that road sold for in the last three years because you find it yourself you might not have pulled it all together in one piece but you kind of know whether that one that's 150 grand higher is in any way realistic um but there's always the option of trying you know another house has sold for this try it if you're not in a rush try and see how the market responds Mm. yeah we we've talked before about properties potentially being listed too high and putting people off and then the fact that it then sits on the market for a while and perhaps gets reduced then people start thinking well what's wrong with it if it's being reduced and things do you you, it depends on the market so a few years ago when properties were reduced the assumption was there's something wrong now a huge number of properties are being reduced you know in the last in the last year um the market hasn't been particularly solid, so properties are being reduced all the time. So I think people are expecting that a little bit more. Um, equally, it's not ideal. It's absolutely, it's absolutely not ideal. But again, it depends very much on your individual circumstance because some properties go on and they, they fly at a price that feels high. Other properties we put on at a price we feel is very realistic and you just don't get the response. No apparent reason. Um, mm. Do you, do you ever sort of get a get an inkling for for these things before you before they happen, or is it, is it really just very unpredictable? I think if you've done your research, you have a very clear idea what something will what will garner interest. And certainly, we've sold a couple of properties recently, which we people have wanted to sell very quickly because they they put their property on the market to get a specific property. And so we've done a research. We've put the property on at a very competitive price, so it sits beautifully within the market loads of interest and it's been pushed over asking Mm -hmm. so i think for me that's a really a really solid strategy um it's not one that vendors often go for because it's risky it's it's an (laughs) element of risk finders you can't put the price up um but it it fact is if that doesn't happen you will always get good interest if it's competitively priced actually you say you can't put put the price up but i've i've started seeing property listings or, or changes to property listings come through where, where agents are putting prices up certainly in the last couple of months maybe, maybe not the last couple of weeks but uh, do you I mean obviously there have been times in the past when the prices have definitely been put up after being listed yeah you, I would say really the current, I, I'm surprised I'd be fairly surprised in the current market because I don't know why you would because if you're getting all the interest and then you're going to see your bids and people are pushing it up in the process why you would then put it up online because if you haven't sold it and achieved oh. as an agent if you haven't negotiated a really really good price yeah it's counterintuitive it, isn't it yeah to be I, I have wondered if they're trying to game the portal as in put it up 20 percent so that you can then drop it 15 percent and have a have it listed as a reduction it, yeah and get it back um, to the top of the list yeah. Yeah. Call, call me cynical but that's where i would think yeah i mean i i, I have no idea i don't have any evidence for this but uh, but yeah i, I had wondered but what's really interesting to me is that Simon's tried to get free consultancy from, from you today <laughs> yeah, yeah. on his properties, using it for personal gain. I, I, yeah, I, you didn't I, call me, Simon. Well, I, well, I, I should add, this property is 
something in the region of 50 miles away from here. Well, that's all right. <laughs> You're forgiven. <laughs> the, the bit uh, as well that you were talking about that, that interests me is is your more sort of consultative approach. And I'd say, mm-hmm. like, how many people are amenable to that? Because personally, and I've been in situations, and we, we've Simon and I have talked about this in the past, where I've sat down with an agent, and I've been really clear, because I, I work quite transparently, whether I'm you know, sitting client side or supplier side, and I've just said, right, just tell me what you think this property is worth and what yeah. you think the saleable price is, because actually I need this to move fairly quickly, and I'm happy to, and, you know, I've had those conversations and obviously, like like you said, mm. as everyone will do, and obviously being in property myself, I've done my own valuation. And let's say my valuation came at around 315, 320. The agent came back and said, yeah, 365. And I just said, there's no way, you know, on God's green earth that we'd get 365. Mm. The other agent came back and said 315. So I've gone with him. Yeah. But the bit I was going to ask you about was in terms of your consultative, will you also provide guidance to the vendors in terms of, you know, you probably need to do this and do that to the property to make it more saleable. Will you provide that sort of Absolutely, advice? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. So we, we as a business, we're happy to be as hands-off as people want or entirely hands-on. So we can do the model where we will literally market the house on right move and charge a one-off low, you know, fee. And then mm. the vendor does absolutely everything, does all the viewings. We'll just direct viewings to them to organise. Um, and then we do it right through to give I mean, we will always give advice anyway to anybody and offer great customer service, but we can go right through to organising the removals, the decluttering, um, any services that people want. Um, but absolutely, when it comes to preparing a property for, for listing, we will give as, as much advice as we possibly can. Yeah. And as much as support to get that family or those people from the position they're in to being ready to go. So some of the things you just mentioned there, I haven't heard before, because I was actually just thinking as you were talking about your sort of unique mm. selling proposition, your, your sort of value proposition. So things you just mentioned there about decluttering and, you know, helping people move. Is, is yeah. that something that is that something that many agents do? No, no, it's not. And the reason we want to do it is we do want to take the, the pressure, the stress out of moving. People are very busy. People are working. Um, and... It's just an added thing to have to think about mm. when you say, particularly, you know, for a lot of people who have too much stuff and they, they panic that they've got to keep the house tidy for how many weeks. And we can just help. We can just put things in place. We can just give people names or we can set it all up for them. So n- not many agents do that at all. No, no. I was just thinking, give everyone a Marie Kondo book, couldn't you? It's yeah, that magic kind of, tidy. Yeah, <laughs> that sort of thing. Um, and we're developing a very close network of local business um, who who can support all those roles. And that includes your people you definitely need, like your surveyors, your solicitors. And we only recommend people who we know are very, very good and who we have a really good relation, working relationship with because it makes all the difference. Um, so how do you lead as a business, final question for me, so how do you lead as a business to to market yourselves in? So how do you lead or w- which proposition do you lead with? Because again, you know, estate agency, obviously quite a crowded market and you've talked about being online, which is, mm. and again, because I was thinking about, you know, purple bricks and we've yeah. talked about um, agent or get agent and, mm. and other agents. So where would you say you're, you're differentiating from those? Because it sounds like you have a few differentiators, but how do you and what do you lead with? Well, I think it's because we can offer what the client wants and, yeah. and we'll step it to produce a package mm-hmm. for that client. Now, as it happens, everybody has gone further, the traditional us sort of leading the sale and doing 
you know, a traditional sales, so yeah. doing all the viewings, etc. Um, so, I mean, that's what we offer. And we, we just talk to our, we, we just talk and we find out and we listen to what our customers need and what we perceive they might want. And then we can tailor what we're offering to suit that. So mm. we talk, I mean, we'll sit in evaluation for as long as, you know, we'll get to know the people so that we can actually offer something that they need. So it's more personalized. It's more really. personalized. Yeah. yeah. And it's, you know, if you just say we offer a personal service, it doesn't, it, it's hard, it's hard to quantify it. Mm. Um, but Emma and I, our background is working with people and trying to understand people and really trying to read people and what they need and what they want. And then we can offer it. Things they know if we haven't got it right. But mm. at least we can try and offer a package that will make their lives easier. Very good. I'm, I'm, I'm going to change the, the topic a little bit. Um, you're, uh, you're, you're a parent um, and uh, you said you, you, st- you, you moved into property mm. soon after... Uh, having your first child, I think you said. Oh, yeah, I'd had the second one by then. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, did you have time off and and things in in that transition, or uh, but were, did did you dive straight into into the, the estate agency business, or or was it sort of a gradual um, build? Is is where I'm actually trying to go. Okay. I think. So timing wise, <laughs> I had my second baby at the end of 2012, and we opened in the summer of 2013. So we're kind of setting up. Um, while she was a baby baby and then mm. kind of went into it. She was still very young, but um, it wasn't. So then either perhaps then or perhaps more interestingly now, how how do your days work? Um, well, I mean, what's brilliant about this business and it being online um, and us being mobile is we're totally flexible. So I, to be honest, I think most of the houses we've sold are as a result of me doing a viewing at seven at night or at nine o'clock on a bank holiday Monday because someone phoned me and I answered the phone and I could get Mm. them in or just being flexible to our buyers. You know, they came to see a house on the Saturday and wanted to go back on the Sunday. And I'm like, yep, fine, I'll pop around the key. It was empty. It was easy. I I live around the corner. So we're getting great success from that flexibility. So no, we don't have a high street office, but then we don't have to man a high street office with two members of staff all day every day six days a week um but what we can do is offer a totally flexible approach to meet our buyers and our vendors own lives so we can work around them far more flexibly and then that works for me as a parent because i can do the school run and be where i need to be as well so it's just flexibility for everybody is working very well do you find there's often conflict between between those things um, I mean, I know you work with, with the other Emma as well. And yeah. it, does that sort of help balance that or? It totally balances it. I mean, there's two of us and we can, we can get to most things we need to get to. And we work flexibly kind of around each other. Um, so it certainly ticks all those boxes. I mean, obviously there are times where the phone will ring and the children happen to be at home and it's kind of that, you know, trying, trying to balance it. But then equally, I can offer things that other agents don't. So mm-hmm. it, it, it's work, it works very, very well. Um, when, uh, when we're all in isolation and recording this, this podcast remotely with the children in the background, I think that'll be, uh, be an interesting episode. <laughs> yeah, but actually Emma and I were talking about that yesterday. If, if um, the children aren't at school, but then everyone's in that same situation, but we can still work. We yeah. can still answer the phone. We can still put, pull things together. You know, we'll just, there might be a bit of noise in the background. And I, and I think <laughs> the world in which we live now is people, or certainly myself, you know, expect 
you know, the authenticity and what you're talking about is just you're managing a business, you're managing your life, you were spinning plates. Yeah. And I think we all expect that now because that's the world in which we live. We've got to be, you know, different things at different times to, to different people. And I think, mm. you know, understanding that, I mean, personally, I'd want to support local businesses and local people and would be much more, you know, happy to do that. Yeah. Particularly if you're providing the, the service. Well, exactly. And if I can be offering that flexibility that those people need, um, you know, it may be that they hear a child in the background, but actually they're still going to view the property that they want to buy on a Sunday morning. Yeah. You know, so it's, I think everybody is, well, not, I was going to say sympathetic to that, but actually it, it, it works just for everyone. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, just accepting. Have you ever had to take your children on a viewing? I have once on a Sunday morning, just one of them. <laughs> um, but but again, I'm like, I could do it. Yep. And it was more important to them to view this house that they offered on and they're moving into next week. And there was a nine-year-old sitting in the corner. They got, they you know, they've got the house they want on a, you know. And, but, and if I'm the vendor, I don't uh, care if, if that's happening. Yeah. You know, I just want it to happen. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I probably wouldn't take two children. Um, but the calm nine-year-old's fine. Yeah, as long as you're not taking a bucket of COVID nineteen to the house and wiping the walls with it, we're yeah, fine, aren't we? With it? I was thinking the uh, the vendors might be a bit more concerned about uh, a pot of crayons. <laughs> yes, I don't 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 get me on that. Uh, just from a business perspective, just mm. one question. I, 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 sorry for the question, but I'm just interested. What did you learn from the first business that you started? with your brother, the, the, the 2013 business. Mm. What have you taken from that into the new business? What was your big learning, would you say? Oh, God, I learned so much. I mean, a lot of the basic practicalities of running a business, so all the sort of standard stuff that you need to learn about ticking the boxes. I think the absolute value in, in customer service, and I think it's very easy to get into a, a bit of a rut of not offering, not putting them, almost not putting them first. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I'm, you know, I've come out of that business saying all the things that we set that business up with a, with a name that we'll be flexible, we'll offer everything we can, we'll, we will put that customer first, whether they're a buyer or a seller. Um, slightly seem to be getting a bit sidelined, particularly with buyers. And with this business, I'm like, every customer is as important Every phone call is as important and we need to treat everybody as if they're the one paying the bill and, you know, give everybody that top top quality service. And, wh- and why did some of them start to get sidelined then? Well, I think there's the, 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 there's an attitude of a summer state agents that you look after your vendors because they pay your bill and the buyers must fit in. Right. My view is without the buyers... You don't, don't have house, a business <laughs> and you don't have a business. So, and the buyers are our future vendors and they meet as many people in the community mm. as the vendors do who might be moving out. So in fact, if they're moving into our area, they're really valuable mm. and you don't, you don't get paid if you don't have the buyer. So it's, it is, for me, that was really, really important to Okay, to so you sort of almost approach. treating people like in a hierarchy of, of importance or priority of importance, but actually, because that's really difficult to do, isn't it? Treat people the same. Well, I don't know. I don't think it is. I find it harder to not. Yeah. <laughs> um, but maybe that's that's a different background of... of yeah. No, I completely I'm agree. Sorry. I yeah. mean, in life, you know, I think that's... You know, and in business, I feel exactly the same. We should, you know, if I walk into... You know, it sounds like I'm digressing, but if I go into, a, you know, into, into the 
you know, toilet or something and there's someone cleaning the floor, I always make sure to say good morning or hello and thank yeah. you for doing your work. Genuinely, if I walk out and I bump into a CEO of the business, I'd say exactly the same. Yes, absolutely. But I, I, I suppose difficult when you've got a business to run and there's few of you running, that's, I mean, it's, it's good that that's that learning. But I, I see some people can't do that because, well, actually, we have to prioritise and we're going to make, you know, our customers, as in the vendors, most important. And so you've had to find that balance and you've brought that to your new business. Yeah. yeah. I've got uh, one one last question, I think, probably before we end up. What, what do your children think of uh, your your estate agency business and indeed your other business? Do you, well, they're very are, are confused. Are they aware of what you do? And, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they're very confused because the other business is called Halliwell Marks, the old one, and my surname is Halliwell Marks. And they're... <laughs> They're obviously, they actually have Halliwell as a middle name, Marks as a surname. So they're like, why? Why isn't that your business anymore? It's your name. Um, but no, they do know what we do. They are, they're getting their head around the uh, idea of buying and selling homes. Because I think for them, a home is just a home. <laughs> and, um, but no, they, they like it. They say, I work too hard and I need to put my phone down. But apart from that... <laughs> um, is that they, because you're, you're busy... Uh, reading social media or, or horror stories about COVID-19 or, or is it because you're actually working? It could be any one of the above. <laughs> um, yeah. And social media is, is work. We need, we need it. We get, we oh, get quite point. a few yep. um, actually valuations and from recommendations via social media. So unfortunately, we do have to keep quite a close eye on it because it, it, it works. Yeah, it just requires discipline, I would imagine. Yeah. To not seep into you just don't get into that scrolling thing where you yeah. think I'm scrolling and I'm not looking at anything yeah, just yeah. Um, but no they they and you know I've got two girls and I think it's good for them to see women in business and running businesses and do, do you, you think know, they, that's the future do you think they like the idea of business or like the idea of property I, I, either or or both um, or do you think they're just too young to care I think they're too young to care to be honest at the moment <laughs> good um, I'm pleased to hear yeah. that yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they, they haven't started uh, setting up lemonade stands or anything to, well no they're uh, very excited the, the one who came on that viewing with me she was really excited to come and after mm-hmm. five minutes she was like I think she thought it was going to be fun and, <laughs> and when, uh, I met, I, there was a potential I was needing to take her another one and she was like I don't want to come yeah. Um, so yeah it changed quite quickly the idea of going to work with mummy but didn't hold much appeal in reality Un- unlike the young Simon Pither who enjoyed that kind of thing is that right? well yeah I mean I wasn't going on viewings as as part of uh, any kind of work, my parents' work, or whatever. But yeah, I, I did enjoy going and looking at, at properties. Floor plans, I seem to age. remember. Indeed, I, really I, love, <laughs> I love a good floor, <laughs> I love plan. A floor plan. Yeah, oh yeah. A lot of people love a floor plan. I had that conversation with someone the other day. Yeah, I mean, I, that's <laughs> always, well, I, I say always, if I'm actually seriously looking at a property, it is one of the very early things I will look at on a, on a property listing is the floor plan. Yeah. O- I mean, they often are, they before are I scroll through the photos. So. Mm. It's important. It's important. It's very important. But yeah. I think I think we're going to have to wrap up because I think we're I think we're over time, Simon. We are. Thank you very much, Stuart. Why, why don't you do the outro, seeing as you've uh, you, you're being the disciplined one? Well, thanks everyone for listening. As always, if you want the show notes and any links that have been mentioned, just go to thebusinessofproperty.com.